Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Amazing. While you're standing, stay standing, because today we are diving into the third week of our series on honor. I don't know about you, I've been enjoying this. I've been enjoying looking at this this topic of honor. And so often something like honor can seem like a 30,000 foot view. Like you've ever been on a plane, you look out the window and it's like, oh wow, look at that that field. It's different color than that field. But if you were to get right down to the field, you could see the flower. You know what I'm talking about? I don't want to just talk about honor from the 30,000 foot view. Today I want to come a little bit deeper and let's look at some practical tangible things that we can do to show and to live in honor. Is that good with everybody? While you're, okay, I'm going to need you. This is one way you can honor me today and honor the word today. Just help me know that you hear what I'm saying, okay? Because if I know you hear what I'm saying, I get to move on and then we can all go eat ramen. It'll be a great day, okay? But if I don't know you're hearing me, I'm just going to keep circling that plane until, so I need, I need a little help here today on this rainy this rainy Sunday. I, you know it's rainy. I, I wore a sweater for one of my three times in the year. I'm regretting it already. Been sweating all morning. Some people are like, I'm so excited for layers. I'm like, I'm just excited not to be sweating so much. And uh, here we are in this season. But I need your help today. We're going to look at honor in a little bit more of a, a close-up view. And in the next probably five to six minutes, I feel like I'm probably going to offend most or many people in the room, okay? And I'm okay with that, as long as it's the Bible that's offending people. The passages of Scripture I'm going to read today were offensive to those who heard them first as well. But while we're standing all together in unity, I wonder if you could just agree with me. I'm going to stick this out the rest of this talk, okay? I might be offended at the beginning, but I'm going to stick this out because there are principles that you can apply to your life that will change the game for you in every relationship you have. Does that sound all right? All right, Jesus, we invite you right now in this place. Holy Spirit, have your way. Speak to our hearts. Use your word to shift our perspective, to shift our mentality. We, uh, we submit to you in this place. We ask that you would lead. In your name we pray, and everybody said amen. Amen. You can grab your seat today. I'm going to ask you today specifically, maybe it has not been your practice, but I'm going to ask you to, sh- to take some notes today, okay? Like I said, I want to get real practical. I-, I don't want to just give, I think last week I just sort of talked. I got up here, I started telling stories, I talked, and then my time ran out, and I'm like, okay, let's go eat ramen. But t- today, today I want to give you some real practical things that, that we can put into practice, okay? So take some notes. If it's not been your practice, open up a, a new note on your phone and jot these down. If you haven't been with us the last few weeks, go back and listen on our podcast. We've established a couple of really simple principles about honor. The first thing is this, that, that when, when it comes to honor, honor is showing value to something. When you dishonor something, you treat it as average. When you treat something as special, that is what honor looks like. And the Bible would teach very specifically that the way we honor God, one of the most profound ways we show honor to God is by honoring people. He loves people ridiculously. Now you're saying, I know, I know, show honor, you know, up, up the organizational chart. That is true, but it's not the only thing that's true. Certainly the Bible teaches that honor is to be showed to authority in government, in family, in church, even in a social setting like your employer, your teacher, your coach. 
But the Bible also teaches that we honor one another. Those who you feel like are your peers, those who you feel like have the same set of responsibilities or the same set of rewards that you have to show them honor as well. And you would go so far as to say this, outdo one another in honor. Do your best to be the best at honoring. And then it goes so far as to say this, honor those who you feel are beneath you. Now, some of us, if, uh, if we're, we're being honest, we're like I feel uncomfortable with the thought of anyone being being beneath me. But in different constructs of society, for instance, those who are younger than you in some way or other are beneath you. They are taught to look up to you. And so the Bible would say this, show honor down as well. Here at Vivid, we show honor up, down, and all the way around. Is that good with everybody? And then the, the last week you looked at this, that what you give value to through honor, actually it's defining what you call valuable. And what you call valuable will actually define your value back to you. In other words, if you say the thing that I value the most, that I will sacrifice for the most is money, I will do anything for money because it is valuable, then money dictates back to you your worth with with a a certain number of digits and a decimal place and a dollar sign. And that is what you're worth. If money is the only thing you show honor to, then money will tell you where you rank. And those with more will be more important than you in your eyes, and those with less will be less important. And so we got to be careful what we show honor to because what we define as valuable ends up defining our value. And today I want to want to speak a message called family honor. Family honor. I think of Mulan. You know, you will bring honor to us all. Family honor. And I want to use three passages of scripture. And these three passages of scripture, I, I believe, will have the very great and real potential of being offensive to you as I read them. And uh, like I said, I'm okay with that because those who first read these were also offended by the content. Now, they were offended for a different reason than you or I might be, and we'll get to that in a moment. But I want to read these roles that the Bible speaks of when it comes to the, the family unit, the family construct. But what I want to pull out of these is not uh, uh, a teaching on, on family. It's not a teaching on roles and re- responsibilities within the construct of family. What I want to do is highlight for you 10 principles about honor that are shown in these passages. Does that sound all right? Someone's like, Pastor Justin, 10, and you won't be able to do it. Well, let's see. We will try. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 5. Turn there first, if you will. Ephesians chapter 5. You know, the other day, last night, actually, I was uh, I was cutting uh, my son's hair, and uh, it's, it's just one of those little pro tips. People are like, how do you live in Vancouver with seven kids? It's an expensive city. Uh, we cut each other's hair. It's great. We line them all up and, and, and go to work. And so Titus was first, and I said, hey, Ty, while I cut your hair, do you, want me to, do you want me to put something on TV? We got like UFC. We got the Lions game. He goes, oh, yeah, Lions are from town. Let's, let's watch the Lions game, Dad. And, uh, you know, I, he didn't know this, that this particular season, like reruns of Coronation Street were probably more interesting than the Lions game. But, uh, but he, you know, that's just how we roll. We support the local teams. And so we were watching the Lions game. And, and uh, while I was cutting his hair, Odell Willis got his 100th career sack. If you don't know what a sack is, it doesn't really matter. But what does matter is, is this. After he, he, he got this sack and he was now in a pretty prestigious group, uh, really only a handful of people who had had more than 100 sacks in their career. There was like the, the dance moment and then people coming in and cheering him on and then a camera got right up in his face. And I was just listening as I'm, I'm cutting hair here and, and he said this, I started in the league in 2009. Now it's 2019. You do the math. You might not like me, but you've got to respect me. And that was the statement he made to the, the camera. 
I thought that's kind of interesting thing. I wonder how often you and I live with that type of mindset. You might not like me, but you got to respect me. I wonder how often we live thinking that that respect is is this level of earned. I should get what I deserve, and and I will only give what is deserved. And you know, I just want to encourage you and I that there's a better way to live, and it's it's the way of grace. There's a better way to live where we don't get what we deserve. Let's be honest. I don't want what I deserve. On my bad days, I don't want what I deserve. When when I'm short with someone, I don't want what I deserve back. I want to live in an environment of grace. And so in that environment, let's read this scripture. Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 21, says this, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Like I said, might be a little bit offensive to some people, but we'll get there. It says this, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, and he gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed it and they care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his wife, or his father and his mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. By this, I'm speaking of Christ in the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, with the sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when your eyes are on their eyes are on you, but as slaves to Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good they do, whether they're slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven where there is no favoritism. I turn over the book of Colossians. Everyone okay? I, I, I heard some gasp near the beginning, and I didn't hear the exhale. I hope, I hope the exhale came. But uh, here we go. Book of Colossians, if you could turn over there. This is a little more succinct, a little more straight up into the point, but really copying the same type of messaging. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18 says, Wives, submit to your husbands. It is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eyes are on you to curry their favor, but do it in reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with your heart as working for the Lord, not a human master, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. There's no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Now, some of you are like, okay, Paul, he's real specific on this stuff. He's got these really 
clearly defined roles, but this is not only Paul. I'm going to show you one more passage. It's out of Peter's letter, 1 Peter chapter 3, and then we're going to dive into some practical application, all right? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 says, Wives, in the same way, submit to your own husband, so that if any of you do not believe, or any of them don't believe the word, they may be won over without words, but by the behavior of their wife. When you see their purity and their reverence of their lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornments, not just elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be your inner self, an unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way that the holy women of the past put their hope in God. They used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called her Lord. You are her daughter if you do what is right and do not be afraid. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. We did it and no tomatoes were yet thrown on stage. Amazing. Amazing. These can be hard things to read. These can be hard things to hear and can be even a little bit of offensive to our 2019 ear. And the reason would be this, that we're pretty uncomfortable whenever it comes to conversation around roles because roles have been used often to disempower people and roles have often been used to lord over those, the rights that are deserved. Now, the interesting thing is this, that for those who would have first read this passage of scripture or heard it, they were incredibly offended offended for the opposite reason, because what they heard from this same text was the most empowering, equalizing message that had ever been shared. It was this cross-cultural, how dare you? Now listen, when when the wives in, in the audience heard this, wives submit to your husbands, they were like, yeah, we have to. Like, like all of society says we have to. If we don't, we get in really big trouble. If we don't, we're shamed and dishonored. Of course we will. But then when the next sentence says, and, and husbands, you have to do something too, every man in the room would have been like, hold up. Who says I have to do something? Like society has told me, I owe nobody anything. I'm a man. And here the Bible drills down deep into the attitudes and actions. And then it said, says to this, hey, children, Obey your parents. And the children are like, yeah, of course. If I don't, they hit me. Like, I, I got to. I got to. They know more than me, and, 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 and I live in their house, and of course I do. But then it's like, and parents, don't exasperate your kids. The parents are going, hold up. Since when do our kids get to dictate to us what our attitude and action should be? We get to do what we want. We're the parents. And then it says, slaves, obey your masters. They're like, yeah. I, like, I kind of have no choice. I'm stuck here. And then it says, and masters, there's a way you need to treat those who work for you that, that shows them dignity, and, and the masters would likely have found themselves constrained. I want to use this, this context to show us some values that, that are overarching for the way we honor one another. You might find yourself in any one of these roles or in a variety of them all, but today there are principles to be applied to each one of our lives. The first one, if you're taking notes, first one is that honor is beautiful when reciprocated. But even when it's not, we still honor. Honor is beautiful when it's reciprocated. But even when it's not, we still honor. That first message of the, of the first passage in Ephesians, it says this, submit yourself to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words, the greatest, most beautiful, most empowering way that you and I could live 
is if we see in everybody else the value that Christ puts upon them, and instead of lording over them what we think is our advantage, we see value in them. And we call it out, and, and we respond to it, and we serve it. Now, now understand the context and everything that follows. Here's what it looks like for a wife. Here's what it looks like for a husband. Here's what it looks like for a kid. Here's what it looks like for a parent. All of that context flows out of this perspective. It's best to honor each other out of reverence for Christ. Imagine if we did that in every relationship we had. Like in every relationship we had, if we saw the Christ value on the person that we were encountering, our employer and our employee, our sister and our brother, our friend and our neighbor, our our parent and our child, our husband and our wife, our friend and our, our family member. Imagine if we saw in them the value that Christ puts upon them, that they, that he was willing to live and die and take a place for them so that they could know what it is to be called the righteousness of God. Imagine if we looked at every person we passed with that type of honor, how would that change the way we live? But even when it's not shown, we still honor. Like, like, sure, that would be great, but I don't withhold honor until I feel like, you know, you, you put down your insult first. No, you do it first. No, you do it first. Okay, we'll do it together. I don't have to sync up the way I show you honor in order for me to show you honor. It's my responsibility to live this way. It's also, as we've looked these last two weeks, to my advantage to show it this way. Honor is most beautiful when it's reciprocated, but even when it's not, we honor. Well, let, let me tell you a little secret here. Wherever you are in life, in any position of life, if you honor, you become the leader. Like for real, if you honor, you become the leader. At your workplace, if you begin to honor your employee or your employer, you become the leader. Now, it might not reflect in your pay scale right away. It might not, you might not get a new lanyard that says leader. Like you might not, not get bumped up the, the org chart. But guess what? When you establish a new environment where honor is now shown, you are initiating a new way of being interacted with. You become the leader. In your household, you say there's no honor here. Everyone backbites, everyone backstabs, everybody gossips. But when you make a decision, no, no, I will use my words to show honor. You've become a leader in establishing that environment, and you will reap that reward. Number one, honor is most beautiful when it's reciprocated, but even when it's not, we honor. Number two, honor comes at a great personal cost, but we still honor. Honor comes at a great personal cost but we still honor. Remember, respect is earned, and respect can even be demanded by Odell Willis or by an employer or or by a person who has more strength than you. They They can demand that of you, but honor is a gift given, and honor always comes at a personal cost. I think it's one of the reasons we don't show honor. One of the greatest reasons we don't show honor is I feel if I give you something, then I don't have it anymore. Like, that just makes sense, right? If I give you some value, then I've lost something. That's the way that we think when it comes to honor. It always comes at a cost, but we still honor. Did you catch what Paul was saying in Ephesians? He's saying, wives, submit to your husbands. Like, yeah, of course. Been taught that my whole life. Like like Mulan's dad has literally been in my ear. You will bring honor to us all by just being quiet. I know it. I get it. And then it's like, okay, now men, I got, I got a new MO for you a new mission for you. Lay down your life for your wife. I've got a new way of living for you. Die to your own desires for somebody else's. 
Make her preferences your preferences. Make her uh, realizing her dream more important to you than you realizing yours. Make her empowerment of a greater value than your empowerment. Make her rest more important than your rest and her comfort more important than your comfort. And it's going to cost you everything. That's what honor feels like. It comes at a great personal cost. I would say if it doesn't cost you anything, it's probably not honor. If it doesn't cost you anything, it might just be existence. It might be like like tipping your hat and to show some respect, but true honor will cost you something. True honor always costs us something, but here's the great thing. We heard it over and over and over again. God rewards based on how we live. God has rewards, and he does not forget. God's so much better than karma. Karma's like, hey, I'll get you back. One for you, and then it's going to come back. God's like this. When you give, it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Like when you give honor, you will receive honor back in a greater measure. When you give judgment, you'll also receive that back in a greater measure. If you give attitude, you can guarantee you're going to get attitude back in a greater measure. When you give forgiveness, you're going to get that back in a greater measure. It comes at a cost, but still we honor. Number three, if you're taking notes, jot this down today. Number three, honor prioritizes long-term benefit over short-term comfort. Honor prioritizes long-term benefit over short-term comfort. What does it say to children? Children, obey your parents. This is right in the Lord, and it's the first command that comes with a promise that it will go well with you and that you will live long lives. Now, I don't know if you've ever interacted with kids very much. Delayed gratification is not usually their strength. Like quite typically, if you said to a kid, one cookie right now, a thousand cookies tomorrow, they're like, that cookie looks amazing. I'm eating it right now. And some of us in the room are like, me too. I want a cookie. Like, like it's, it's crazy how, how quick we can live for the thing that's most comfortable right now. But what is trying to be inspired out of each one of us, to children, I just want to inspire you. There's such a better promise for you if you can get over your discomfort right now and show some honor to your parents. It's going to go so well for you. And for you and I as well, in every aspect of life, showing honor is not often the most comfortable thing. Like speaking a word of encouragement to somebody who pushes your buttons is not my preference. Are you with me? Like it's not my favorite thing to do. To, to, to note in others what they do well when I note so many things they do poorly. It's not really in my preference to, to honor and show praise to someone else when they haven't shown it back to me. When I say, hey, I just want to point out, this person here, they did a great job. But last time I did a good job, nobody noticed. But here, here's what the Bible says, that there's a promise in store for us when we can learn how to honor. That promise is twofold. It'll go well with you, and it'll go long with you. Like, it'll be better and longer. It's talking about quantity and quality. Both of these things are promised if you can grab hold of what it is to show honor. Now, that's got to be true not only for children to their parents. That's got to be the great big promise that God is giving to a child. Like, if you can get this, if you can just eat your vegetables, we're going to Disneyland. Like, God is trying to inspire. There's something so much better for you. It feels terrible and awkward right now, but, but like, just remember this huge, big, incredible dream. Your life will be better, and your life will be longer. And I feel like that's what God would say to you and I as his children today. If you can get hold of this thing, 
Like, do not live just according to what you think you deserve and according to what feels the most comfortable. Because when you wake up tomorrow morning, you might not feel like showing up to work with your best attitude. But if you can live and choose to honor, then there is long life and great life in store for you. And God always keeps his promises. Can someone say amen? Number four, as we go through here, number four, honor considers the emotions of others. Woo, honor considers the emotions of others. Did you catch that? It says, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Another translation says, don't provoke them. This word literally means to be angered along the way. <laughs> like, I didn't just get angered once. I have somebody following me around and pointing out all my flaws, making sure I know all the things I'm doing wrong. It's like, it's like a game of whack-a-mole, and I am the mole, and I just keep on getting bashed over the head. It's saying, fathers, don't, don't do that. This this one statement is the first time that any one of those fathers would have ever heard such a thing. Ever heard such a thing. Consider the emotions of your kids. Like that was not in the manual. That was not in the rule book. The rule book was just turn them into pro productive adults. Make sure they know their role in life. Make sure that they, they, they honor the emperor. Make sure that they, they do the right things and follow all the rules and that, do it at any cost. And in that society and culture, fathers were given whatever leeway it, it, it was necessary in their eyes to make sure their kids became great people. And here the Bible is saying this. It's not just about like churning out the product. It's about considering the emotion. I wonder for you and I what honor would look like different if we considered the emotion of the person we're trying to honor. If we considered the emotion of the people that we're trying to serve. I wonder if sometimes we only show honor on our terms. We say, hey, this is the way I do it. I coach hard. Jennifer and I have seven kids, and each of our kids we need to treat differently. Each of our kids, like we don't subscribe to a rule like here in the Reimer household, everyone gets treated equal. Not true. Everyone's valued equal but treated very uniquely. We value them like very equal, but uniquely we interact with them. My daughter Sophie, she's a great athlete. Sophie, when she finishes any game, she comes off the floor. I mean, she wants to hear good job from her friends. She wants to get a little hug from her mom. She wants to get like some praise from her siblings. Then she walks up to me. She said, dad, what can I do better? And I'm like, oh, Sophie, you, you just did amazing. She's like, yeah, I know I did. I was the leading scorer. Of course I did amazing. But what can I do better? And I have learned over time that is how she prefers and needs to be coached. And if I'm going to consider her emotions there, I don't need to give her the, the critique sandwich. Hey, oh, you're so amazing and wonderful. And there's one little thing you can work on. But seriously, you are so fantastic. She's like, just give me the goods. I want to improve. This helps me and serves me. Dad, I want to know what, what I can work on. If I tried applying that same logic to one of my other kids, I might crush them. See, here's the nature of God. The way he interacts with us is individualistic. The way he interacts with us is uniquely. The way he interacts with us, he considers where we've come from and where we're going. And, and God's simply saying to us, showing honor does the same for others. Showing honor considers the emotional state of others. Don't provoke people to do the right thing. Consider what will work best for them. Consider how they will be 
best serve. Is this okay for anybody? I hope in your life you're thinking of some people that you could show some honor to. I hope there'll be some practical things that we can put into practice. Number five, this. Honor doesn't withhold what is helpful for others to thrive. Honor doesn't withhold what is helpful for others to thrive. Again, speaking to parents as they raise their kids, it says this, raise them up with training and instruction. In other words, tell them what the expectation is and help them to achieve it. Have you ever been held responsible for something you didn't know was your responsibility? Anybody? Come on, anybody at work, at home, you feel like you just got punished for something you didn't even know you were supposed to be doing? Like you start a new job and the orientation process was like, hey, put this uniform on, you're good to go. And then by the end of the first day, you make some error and it's like this huge deal. And you're like, I didn't even know. Like, why are you holding me to an account of something I didn't even know? Here it's saying, parents, as you raise your kids, don't exasperate them, consider their emotions and then do these two things. Like give them discipline, that's what training means, but also give them instruction. Like, like help them to do the right thing, but tell them why it's the right thing. Now, if you've got a three-year-old, like sometimes the why is simply because I said so. It, you don't have to be like, like, just trust me, the smell of burning flesh, it's just not the, the greatest smell. And so you don't want to touch this for this reason. Can I explain? Are you, do you think in Fahrenheit or Celsius, your kid is just going to look at you blankly? Sometimes the answer is simply because. But as you grow and mature, there better be more backing than just because. And in our life, in our interactions with one another, why would we withhold anything that would help somebody to thrive? Honor says, I'm going to anticipate and consider what you need to do well in this environment, and I'm going to help service you with the best information. I'm going to give you real and accurate expectations, and then I'm going to help you to achieve those goals. We'll set some goals together. We'll get you there. Isn't that what honor ought to feel like? Like think about some, maybe some people you work with or interact with. Think about even your friends and you feel like we just keep coming up with these uh, misunderstandings that are awkward or disappointing or painful. How about you start telling your friends what would work best for you? Like, like for Jennifer and I, Sundays carry a lot of weight. Sundays we pour out a lot of energy. I, I suppose we've been doing it long enough that, that we sometimes forget. And on a Saturday, it's like, well, why is life hard right now? Because Sundays are a day of pouring out. And on Monday mornings, it's like, why are we really tired? Because Sunday, you know, I leave the house about 6 a.m. I get home around 9 p.m. And, and we've just been with hundreds of people the whole day. I guess it's a day of a lot of, of pouring out. And I've had to learn and understand that I got to be careful not to make big life-altering decisions on a Monday. That, that, that sometimes the best thing to do on a Monday morning at 9 a.m. is just drink coffee. You know, just, just, let's just think this through and process. And, th and that would simply be this. Why would I not share that with you? I remember when we were first dating, I used to lead worship a lot. And, uh, and we were first getting to know each other. Jennifer would come like for an event to my city. We lived long distance. We wrote handwritten letters together and she'd come for a visit. And, and almost inevitably, all of those things would revolve around events that we would be at. And so we'd be going into an event, and I would be doing something on stage, and I'd get kind of focused before. Remember this? I'd get focused, and usually like an hour before, they would be like, are you okay? Are we okay? This is not okay. Okay? And I was just kind of focused. I'm like, no, we're good. We're good. And then I realized, hold up. I think I just, like, I must change. It must be me. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share and anticipate the things that are going on in my head 
so that we can honor one another the best. Does that make sense? Why would we withhold anything that would help people around us thrive? If we're going to honor them, we would share everything that would help them thrive. Number six, honor often goes unnoticed, but we still honor. It often goes unnoticed, but we still honor. Did you catch that? Now, now hold this. I just want to help right here. Like when we read the word slave, there would be some people who have so incorrectly used passages like this to make this grand assertion that God endorses slavery. Nothing could be further from the truth. What is true is this, that even in our brokenness, God still reveals himself to us. That even though the constructs of our society are broken and improper, God is still always speaking. Imagine this, if God just said, until you get everything right, I'm not going to tell you anything. Like, you're offensive to me. I'm not going to tell you. Man, God's so gracious that he, he crosses barriers and boundaries even when we're wrong. He reveals to us, and then he empowers us and points us in the right direction. I would dare to believe that right now, in our world today, we're still completely broken. Are you with me? Like our society, the way we think and act and interact, we've got a long way to go. And I'm grateful that God still speaks to us. And God speaking to us is not an endorsement for all of our behavior. Just because God speaks to us is not God putting his stamp of approval on every decision we make or the way that we live or the values that we have. But in his grace, he is slowly bringing us along to his realization. Can we, can we grab that today? Okay. But here's what it says. Those of you who are enslaved or in servitude, don't just do the right thing to get noticed. Do the right thing when no one's watching. Don't just do the right thing to get noticed. Do the right thing when no one's watching because God is always watching. I used to have an employer, and, uh, and his, he, like he had an office, but he never really used his office. He used his truck. And uh, I worked in a construction setting. We'd be on a job site, and you just never knew when his truck was coming by. And when his truck was coming by, he was making a very quick assessment of how everyone was doing. You know what I mean? Like his truck might be going by at highway speeds, and he would note, I noticed three people sweating, and one person looked like they were just dragging their feet. And we would hear about it. And I sort of feel like that's kind of what God's saying. is like, I'm always watching. I'm always watching for, for attitude stuff. So don't just be the person who flatters your employer or flatters those around you. Do the right things all the time because all the time God is watching and all the time God is rewarding. Does that make sense? Number seven, we got to hurry here if we're going to get done today. Number seven says this, honor doesn't overvalue the hierarchy of position. Get that down. Honor does not overvalue the hierarchy of position. Because you caught that when, when Paul is speaking to someone in servitude, He's like, hey, do the right things. You're, you're, like, you're, you're doing well. Just make sure you do well even when they're not watching. But keep, keep doing what you're doing. And then speaks to the masters and says this. Like, don't forget, God doesn't show favorites. Don't forget that God's your master and their master. So just because right now you find yourself in a power position, you better not use that power incorrectly. Don't overvalue hierarchy. For some, maybe you've been in a setting in life where you feel like, I had to pay my dues, now I'm going to make someone else pay their dues. Like when you first break into this union, you really got to pay the price, and now I'm going to make everyone else pay the price. When you get on this team, oh, this team, we're going to make you feel it when you're a rookie, but now that I'm a, I'm a veteran, I'm going to make, well, why do we live that way? We overvalue the hierarchy of position. God doesn't show favorites. God doesn't see some as more valuable than others. Can I tell you a secret about myself? When, uh, when I'm driving and, uh, and someone else on the road, specifically someone behind me, informs me that they don't prefer the way I drive, it, uh, 
it like I, it doesn't bring better driving out of me. Are you with me? Like especially like the type of person that has to lay rubber every green light only to stop at the next red light right beside you. I'm like like someone needs to help that guy. Someone needs to 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 just help that and I feel like it's God's call for me to help that guy. So I like being in front of that guy. And uh, I tend to like when someone reminds me with with the horn that I'm going, you know, we're downtown Vancouver between Nelson and Smythe. You know, and I'm going 48 kilometers an hour, not 50, because the light's red anyway. And why, why should I waste my gas and my brake lining? When that guy lays on his horn, I lay on my brakes, okay? And so that happened this week. And, uh, and I don't know how many middle fingers he had, but all of them were pointing at me. <laughs> and and I, just, I felt like a barrage of middle fingers. I'm like, wow, they're coming from everywhere. And, and, and he was only behind me for about three, three blocks, but he hated every minute of it. And I loved every minute of it. Why? Because we were overvaluing position. I'm not saying it's right. I'm, I'm flawed. God's still working on me. You know, we're going to have an altar call later for Pastor Justin's driving attitude. But listen, like we can overvalue higher. He was just so mad that he was behind me. And, and we, we got to where we were going at the same time. Meanwhile, I was so happy I was in front of him. There was no way I was going to let him, him pass. You can put your middle toe up to me, bro. I'm here. Like sometimes we can do this in life, can't we? Like you know this person that works with you. You know this family member that does this to you. You know this, this friend that you interact this way to. Why do we do this? It's not the way that honor is shown. To demand it because you find yourself in a power position for a moment. And to feel like you have to begrudgingly give it because you're not, you don't have the leverage right here and right now. Honor doesn't overvalue position. Honor, again, sees the Christ-given value on every person. says, God doesn't show favorites. I better be careful the way I do. Have you ever been in a setting? This happened to me just, just today, actually. Just today, somebody, I, I said, hey, how are you doing to someone when we were in, in New West? And, and uh, they were like, oh, I'm fine. And then they looked at me and then, oh, oh, wow. Oh, pastor, I'm, I'm great. I'm great. I thought, that's interesting. When you didn't look up and hear my voice, I got one tone. When you saw I was a pastor, I get a different tone. Now, now, I do this too. There was nothing against this person, but it reminded me of my own human tendency that sometimes I make a quick assessment or value. This person deserves more honor. This person, I think they deserve to honor me. Honor doesn't overvalue hierarchy. Is that good? Everyone, I got three more for you, okay? Number eight, check this out. Honor isn't just action. It is attitude. Honor is not just action. It's attitude. Did you catch that in First Peter? I love that in First Peter when it's talking about, about about women wives. Now note this again: the Bible only ever says this: wives submit to your own husband. It does not say women submit to men. Catch that? It's really, really critical and important because I think so often the Bible's been used in this weird sort of sexist way that that it's like, oh, you know, what it says about wives. What does it say about wives, sir? It says specifically honor one of them, your husband. That's it. It's very specific. It's saying the role of relation, this marriage relationship will work best if you show honor and respect to your husband. You'll bring the best out of him. And submission's gotten a bad name. Submission's not a bad thing. Submission is two words brought together. Sub means to come under and mission. What is your husband's mission? To love you, to honor you, to respect you, to show you dignity, even if it costs him everything. I mean, that's the mission that God is calling you to come under. And some wives would say, but my husband's not doing it very well. Even when honor is not reciprocated, we still honor. 
And, and, and Peter says this, that it might actually be the very thing that changes everything. But then he goes on to use this description. I hope you caught it. I love it. He says, that consider Sarah. Sarah honored her husband and called him Lord. I think we should use that title more often. What do you think? I think that's a great title. Like we have different titles in life, right? Like you're, you might be someone's dad or someone's son or someone's daughter or someone's boss or someone's sir or miss or ma'am. But I think Lord, that would be a great saying that we should use around the house a little more often. But, but get this. The Bible says out of our heart, our mouth speaks. Here's Sarah. She could, she could have followed Abraham with her heels dug in, but, but she followed Abraham leaning into it. I just think like that attitude thing is so, so impressive and amazing to me. That honor is not just the action, it's the attitude. And here Peter's saying this, we can learn something from Sarah. Sarah didn't just go along with what Abraham was leading her into. She said, you're my Lord. Like, you're my guy. I'm your ride or die. I'm with you. We're doing this thing. Whatever. If you say I can be a mom when I'm 90, then let's do this. Like a, now, just for a second, imagine this. You've got a 99-year-old Abraham. He says, hey, God showed up to me today, and he said, we're going to have a baby. Let's go. <laughs> oh, oh, that's such a good pickup line. Like, that's such a, it's like he didn't, he didn't put Barry White on or anything. He's just like, yeah, God actually showed up. You know, let's get romantic. We're about to have a baby. I just think that's amazing, 99-year-old guy to a 90-year-old wife. But then she says to him, you're my Lord. See, submission, honor is not just action, it's attitude. It's attitude. Attitude says everything about us. So when you find yourself in a role in life where maybe it's your turn to submit, it's your time to honor, let's do it with all our heart, put our whole heart into it. Number nine, honor seeks to understand and uses what it knows to the advantage of others, not for leverage. I'll leave that up on the screen for a minute so we can all write it down. Honor seeks to understand and uses what it knows for the advantage of others, not for personal leverage. It says, husbands, be understanding towards your wives. In other words, become a student of your wife. You say, I'm not married. Again, this isn't about the role. This is about showing honor. Learn to understand the people around you. Become students of the people around you. Be observant of the people around you. Ask some questions of the people around you. And then when you learn things, don't use it for leverage. Use it to serve. Like this would change so many marital arguments, so many roommate issues, so many uh, business partner disputes if we simply said this. Instead of using what we know against someone, say, well, if I do this, you'll do that because you always do that. If we started to anticipate the patterns that take place in people's life and use it to serve them. It says, husbands, like live with your wives in understanding. Like if you're going to show honor, get better at knowing them. If, if you're going to show honor, begin to anticipate what they prefer. Don't make the same. Like I'm going to keep making mistakes. I just don't want to make the same mistakes over and over. Are you with me? I'm going to keep making mistakes in the way that I, I show honor to the people around me because I'm still a student of theirs. But once I learn it, then I should live up to it and not use it for leverage, not, not, not use it and say, well, I know you would do this, and so I did that, and I knew you'd do this. It's a challenge, and it's a struggle because our flesh is weak, but honor seeks to understand and then uses what we know to serve others. Number 10, lastly, honor doesn't view strength as a reward but as a responsibility. Honor doesn't view strength as a reward, but a responsibility. 
I hope in the next moment here I can clear up the last and potentially most offensive thing that I read at the beginning of the message. That statement that says this, husbands, honor your wives as the weaker vessel. It's been so misused. It's kind of discouraging really to think over the course of the last centuries how a statement like that has been used to disempower. But here's the, here's the, the, the truth. The word vessel, if, if one is a weaker vessel, it would imply that the man is the stronger vessel. But the word vessel means body. Literally, it just means body. So it's saying this, husbands, okay, you can do more push-ups than your wife. So what? Like use that strength you have to show them honor because you are joint heirs. In other words, God is saying you might have more strength in one area, but you do not have more value. So whatever you have that you think actually is your differentiating factor is not your reward. It's your responsibility. If you got a little more strength, you better use that to serve the person who's equally valuable to you. You say, well, it's not true in my, you haven't seen my husband. You haven't seen my wife. Like we might be that one is stronger. It's simply speaking to this. The thing that you think would be your advantage is actually your responsibility. Don't use your reward, uh, you know, strength as a reward and lord it over people. You use that strength to serve people. See, the same would be true of anything we think might be a reward. Money, you have more money than others. You're like, wow, look at me, I got so much more money. What a reward I have. No, what a responsibility you have to use what is given to you to serve someone who is equally valuable to you. You say, man, I come from a good, stable family. What a reward. No, no, what a responsibility to model and, uh, and show health to people, to open up your doors in hospitality and include people in health. Your sobriety, it's not your reward. Wow, I'm so so self-disciplined. I overcame some things. That is your responsibility because there's someone struggling with a substance that you overcame. Serve them. Help them. Your courage, your courage is not your reward. Oh, yeah, I'm just crazy like that. I, do every, I can do anything. Your courage is your responsibility to be an encourager, to come alongside people who are lacking courage and remind them that they can do it. Knowledge, knowledge is not your reward. It's your responsibility. Now you know more. Now you're responsible for more, and you can help instruct and, and, and teach others and bring them along. What about wisdom? God's given me a spirit of wisdom. I know things. Well, you better use that to encourage and edify others. It's true of every gift, leadership, generosity, hospitality, prophecy, whatever God has gifted you with. It's not your reward. It's your responsibility because there are people of equal value to you that God loves just as much that need what he's given to you and you get to be the, the one who serves them with it. Honor says, my strength is not my reward, it's my responsibility. Like I might be able to, to, to push out a few more push-ups than Jennifer, but we're co-heirs, sons and daughters of God, seen in equal value. This is not saying she's weaker spiritually. It's not saying she's weaker in character. It's not saying she's weaker in intellect. It's saying that one advantage that you might have, like if you went to the Olympic Games, maybe the, the, the personal best speeds of most men are better than the personal best speeds. Of, so whatever you think is an advantage, don't get petty with it. Use it to serve. Finance, strength, intellect, wisdom. And the Bible would say this, don't let the one who's strong boast that they're strong. Don't let the one who's rich boast that they're rich. Don't let the one who, who has intellect boast that they have intellect. Let them boast in this, that I knew and understood the nature of God. Would you stand with me today? God, I pray that in this room... 
We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.